Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, good morning. Welcome. And today we're, we're going to talk about anger. How do you react when you're confronted with somebody that is just over-the-top angry? And do you strike back or do you choose to maintain a calm demeanor? Does it depend on the situation or does it depend on the kind of day you're having? Private investigators and private security professionals, just like law enforcement, are frequently confronted with angry people in their work. And my guest today is just the person to talk about this topic. I am delighted to welcome Dr. Dr. Dorothy McCoy back to the show. Um, Dr. McCoy is the author of several books and articles, but the most recent is her second edition of Should I Choose Anger? Training for Law Enforcement, Security, and Leaders. Dr. McCoy is a researcher, a psychotherapist, and a law enforcement counselor. She's been in private practice for 15 years. She's served in so many positions, such as the chairman of both Rape Crisis Center, Infant Fatality Board. She's been a hiring consultant for police departments. She is a former commissioner for the USC Western Carolina Higher Education Commission. Gosh, she's a former member of the South Carolina Governor's Arson Task Force. She received her BA from University of South Carolina. Her master's in, is in clinical counseling from the Citadel. We all know about the Citadel and her doctorate from the University of Sarasota. She has so much to offer. She's a diplomat with the American Academy of Experts in Traumatic Stress, a certified cognitive behavioral therapist, a national certified therapist, a NOVA-trained community crisis responder, and a licensed professional counselor. And, you know, and I think she does other things in her spare time, but hi, hi Dr. McCoy. Welcome hi. to the show. It, it's so good to talk to you again. Thank you. Actually, uh, you are the first the first in your audience to hear, I've changed the name of the book. <laughs> oh, okay. I kept thinking about it because it, it is more than anger. It's actually we we learn to transform emotions, pro, negative emotions, primarily into positive emotions, uh, emotions <clears throat> that would um, would hurt us, into emotions that will help us to be more successful. So. Talking with my potential publisher, we kept talking back and forth. Uh, finally, I think we've uh, settled on keeping calm 101 for the thinking cop. 
Now, you're probably familiar with all those posters, Keep Calm and Carry On. Right. 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 So the Keeping Calm, I thought about from that because I have that on my wall. I love that. Keep Calm and Carry On. And that's I have what it we as have well. To do. do you? I have it also. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's Keeping Calm 101, and what's the rest of it? Uh, the second part of it, Keeping Calm 101, and the subtitle is For the Thinking Cop. But, of course, it would be cop, uh, security, leader, uh, anybody that wants to uh, transform their emotions into something that would be helpful to them. And, you know, as we were talking before the show, and I, I was just telling you, that I, this is such a fabulous tool. Um, it's it's a workbook. It's uh, a resource. It's uh, it puts things in just uh, really comprehensive, understandable scenarios that you can apply to yourself. And and all of us that are out in the world, even just driving down the street, run into people who are angry and need oh, to yeah. be able to respond to that. Yeah, absolutely. My husband and I were going to a movie the other day on uh, Highway Forty. And there was someone beside us that was just beating his steering wheel. He was screaming and pointing mm. to the poor woman that was next to him. And I thought, yeah, it's going to be a miracle if he doesn't wreck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and, and there's so I mean, it just seems like there's so much of it. I, it's a, a, just astonishing. So you have, in the beginning of, of your book, is that you, you mentioned that law enforcement is a high-stress occupation with unique stressors. I think that also applies to people in management in corporations today. It applies certainly applies to private investigators when we're out um, knocking on doors and meeting people with and talking about things they don't want to talk about, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, and if we're already personally on emotional overload, then we have a tendency to react negatively when confronted with somebody else's anger. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we we can come, become so overwhelmed in today's society, especially with some of these high-stress positions, that we're, we're on the edge. We are on, standing on the edge of a knife, and we can fall either direction. Yeah. So we, we need the tools that keep us balanced, that, that keep our foundation firm, our, our core firm, so that we're an, pretty much able to handle anything that comes along. So taking that to a, um, a proactive approach of why you choose anger, why should you choose anger in a situation? Okay. Quite often it works. People learn as children, they get angry, they have a little temper tantrum, everybody comes running, oh, what can I do for you, so the children stop screaming. Mm. The parents don't care about right, they care about silence. So uh, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it's true, and yeah. sometimes uh, children learn, it works. They get in school, they're the bully, and it works. Sometimes the, um, their fellow students will give them their lunch money or uh, become their buddy because they're the big, tough one. So it works. At times, it works. And when you don't have anything else to depend on, you depend on that. Well, you know what? You just said something that sparked a thought that I hadn't thought about before. I guess bullies are actually trained, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Huh. I hadn't thought about that before. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, okay, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. 
Oh, that's okay. So people learn. Uh, they start. They intimidate, and they get what they want. You go in to buy something, and you don't like it, and you want to return it, and you have a fit, and they will take it. Anything to, like your parents, anything to mm-hmm. shut you up. Mm-hmm. So it works, but hmm. it doesn't. The problem being, it doesn't work in the long run. Is and as I said, in there after a while, there's no one that cares about that person that grows up to be a bully, that person that cannot control their emotions. It's, it's like hysteria. I mean, it's not, a, uh, not a macho thing to be. It's just like having a, uh, a tantrum or you're hysterical. There's no difference. That's really good. Um, yeah, and, and, your, and your book here is, uh, is well, I can't just say enough about it. It's designed to be interactive, and it has... Yeah. Um, it just has so many good points. So, <laughs> um, so one of the big points that I wanted to bring up early on, even though it's later on in your book, is the relationship between nutrition and exercise and anger. Oh, yes. And I if thought that was fascinating. If we're healthy, we're, we're one unit. Uh, we are spiritual, we're physical, we're psychological, we're emotional. We're one unit. You can't take one part, cut it off, and go with the rest. So the overall foundation that helps us to be as uh, as solid as we can be would be our health. If mm-hmm. we're drinking uh, a lot of coffee, and now I'm a coffee drinker, so I'm Me not too. anything against it. Yeah. But if we're drinking a lot of coffee and Cokes and uh, we're having our chocolate, which is also good for us. But anyway, we're, we're, our body is off because we're going to be more anxious. We know that caffeine has a um, correlation with anxiety. It, it just causes it. Hmm. So we know there are certain things we can eat uh, that are not in our best interest. Of course, the heavy things, the fatty things, they not only um, destroy our body, we don't feel our best. If we're not feeling our best, um, we're not able to think or um, react the Mm -hmm. way that uh, would be optimal. So all of these, and of course, exercise helps us to to also be at our best. That is a wonderful relationship. I had never, ever thought about that correlation before, and it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense that if you're healthy, um, you're going to be calmer, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not going to let things build up as much, and you're not going to overreact, potentially. Um, Absolutely. Fabulous. So, um, So, you talk about the adaptive principles, the anger and the adaptive principles, and how you use use anger in a proactive, positive way. Okay. Now, in being adaptive, that helps us to realize that our emotions, our thoughts, the environment, they all work together to create our reality. For instance, just taking a really simple... Uh, example, say a woman around dusk, around 6, 7 o'clock now, is walking through a park, 
And in her mind, she happens to think, well, you know, there could be some huge Neanderthal type of man behind one of these bushes, and he could he could jump out, and he could take my wallet, and he could kill me. You know, this mm-hmm. is a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. So then in her mind, she sees this, this Neanderthal. She sees someone in her mind. Now, the, the situation has completely changed for her. Her body has started reacting. Her mm. heart is beating. Her respiration has changed. Um, blood has gone to different areas because we're going into fight or flight. But nothing has happened. Absolutely nothing has happened. Interesting. But, Interesting. Yes. But all of these are working together, and they're not working together in an adaptive way. In adaptive reasoning, we look for um, facts. We want facts. We base our our beliefs, which is where things, everything starts, is by what we think, because we create our world according to our thoughts. So rational, logical thinking, critical thinking is so important in adapting to your environment. Yes, be aware that things can happen, but Mm -hmm. wait until you have some sort of evidence before you freak out. Exactly. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, Uh, Dr. McCoy. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Dr. Dorothy McCoy is a therapist and a certified cognitive behavioral therapist. Dr. McCoy, was just you were just talking about... Um, the adaptive principles, and I and I just I just thought, which I mentioned to you in the break, um, our reactions 
um, to other races, other cultures, our pre- preconceived notions about who they are and how they behave. Sometimes we react with anger in those situations. Or fear. Exactly. Well, and, or fear or any negative emotion or even negative thoughts. And that comes from what we call our schema. That's everything that we believe about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, it can have positive things in it, too. But biases against other groups, which is really part of our, our early inheritance because at one time, early, early man in tribes, they had to be fairly wary of other tribes because it usually led to some sort of confrontation. So it's something that's just left over to a certain extent. But by knowing that we have that, by being aware that we have a bias, for instance, if I said, well, all Asians in San Francisco are really, really bright people. They do well on IQ tests. They're very family-oriented, hard workers. They're just perfect people. Mm-hmm. And someone were to say, well, Dr. McCoy, you know there's some Asian gangs. And I would say, well, well, that's different. Uh, that's an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Not only do we have a schema that gives us this information, which can be positive or negative, but we try very hard not to pay any attention to anything that doesn't agree with it. It's very difficult to change. Mm-hmm. Boy, that, um, hmm, that hits me on a lot of levels, which we won't go into. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's very interesting um, because I, we do react with those preconceived uh, biases on a lot of levels. Oh, yes, Um, and I don't want to hear anything that does not agree with me. Uh, As a human being, we, and it serves a purpose. I'm I'm not going to say it's completely irrational, but we need to be aware of what is there, and we need to look for objective information that either supports or doesn't support it and see if we can't change um, biases that just, there's just no evidence to support it, and it causes problems between groups of people. Right, that's very true. Well, and you know, when you're talking about health and nutrition and all that, you know, the other side of what anger, uh, what you've pointed out in your book that anger does, is it affects your, it affects your health in a negative way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, primarily, it, the research talked about men, so I'll have to keep it to that. But they don't live as long. People that uh, go into rages, and we know the physiological types of things that I won't go into in any great t- detail, but there are physiological challenges as well as chemical challenges, chemicals that are released such as cortisol that are just not not good for us. Um, if you've seen people with fat around the waist, often that has something to do with cortisol and how we... Um, then store fat, which is not a healthy sign. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there are all kinds of things that happen when our emotions rise to those levels that make it less likely that we'll have a long and healthy life. And also uh, sometimes when we have these, these rages, this uncontrollable anger, these negative emotions, we try to soothe ourselves. So we may smoke cigarettes, we may Mm. smoke weed, we -hmm. may drink some alcohol, um, we may take drugs, either prescribed or not prescribed, and of course then all of those things are not healthy for us. Right. 
And on the other hand, if you you're calm and you're you're mm-hmm. exercising and your, mm-hmm. your nutrition's good, then though then that has a tendency to break down these negative. Um, what do you call them? Negative uh, results Cognition? in your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes, it, it is so simple. Really, it's simple. Know what you're thinking. Be aware of it. If it is not logical and rational and in your best interest, change it. Keep healthy and try to focus on the, well, I don't tell people positives because I I don't want to turn them into Pollyanna. What I want them to be is Sherlock Holmes. Look at the evidence. If there's any evidence, fine. If there's no evidence to support it, then don't believe it. Don't do it. Well, that's part of the problem. It is simple. If it were complicated, we'd be trying trying to figure out how to do it. It's because it's simple. We don't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So, um, so often, too, people turn their anger inward, like depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. that that also creates unnatural responses sometimes because it builds up, right? Right. It's. Um when people are depressed, that's a, that's a very, very difficult thing to deal with. It's, it's like climbing uphill in, in molasses. You can, they feel as if they can barely move. They have trouble sleeping, depending on the type of depression they have. Um, eating habits change. Uh, socializing habits change. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing. Now, the healthier we are, uh, the less likely that we will have, um, especially anxiety. Anxiety is relatively easy to um, to resolve. Depression may take medication. Mm-hmm. So um, we we need to look at our overall health. What do I need to do? Do I need to lose weight? Uh, do I need to see someone about depression? Do I need to change my diet? Uh, do I need to stop smoking? What do I need to be optimal? Mm-hmm. And and you know one one thing that um, gosh you pointed out then another thing I hadn't thought about was officer suicide mm-hmm. uh, is a result of depression and I hadn't thought I mean yeah you know that people who are suicidal are depressed but I hadn't actually related it to the job itself that they were depressed about the job therefore they were their anger turned in inward. And then they committed suicide, and I thought that was that was an interesting correlation that I hadn't thought of before. Well, and of course, there's a whole uh, chapter which I have changed. The chapter that you have is not the chapter that's going to be in the book. I just finished recently, completely redoing the chapter with new research and new information, mm-hmm. because there's a tremendous amount of research out there on officer suicide in this country. Some countries, like Great Britain, they don't actually they don't keep suicide statistics for officers. They keep suicide statistics for the country, Hmm. but not for officers. Now, there are all kinds of things that can cause suicides. uh, Suicide in officers could be relationships that have gone bad, could be uh, legal issues, um, all sorts of things that can cause stress along with the stress that you would normally have in the job. There's there's not enough maybe of a support system. Nobody is noticing the warning signs, and there are mm-hmm. normally warning signs, which I mention in the book and go into more detail with this new chapter. I have to send that chapter to you so you'll be up to date. 
Now, but, on that chapter, on the new one, have you uh, included the steps that lead to officer suicide as well? Absolutely. I, yeah, that, those looked really uh, important. I'm, we'll right. just give people a taste of that. We won't tell them what that says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we want them to read to your know. book. <laughs> yes, they need to read the book. And as a bonus, as a bonus, there's our, um, at the end, there's uh, an article, a long article on deception, detection, and bon- body language that was written by myself and a retired, uh, he was former director of international operations for the DEA and an undercover agent, uh, Mike Vahill, for years and years. So I had the, the research. I'm a researcher and, um, of course, in mental health. And he had the actual experience when you're pretending to be someone else and so you have to be very aware of how other people are reacting to judge their uh, their mood to know what to do according to body language. So that's a, a bonus at the end of the book. Yeah, it's really good, Re- reading body language and, and detecting deception, or deception detection. That's, that's really good, too. So... Tell us where to go from here, Dr. McCoy. Where do we Who? go from here? We read the book. Okay. First we do that. <laughs> okay. And, and then we learn the different ways. There are many different ways of trying to become a critical thinker. That's after you've, you're healthy, you've taken a good look at what you need to do and you're working on being healthy. Then the next thing you look at is your critical thinking. Am I logical? Am I rational? Do I make emotional decisions or are they based on facts? Um, emotions, as we taught, there are certain things such as uh, what we eat and what we drink that can affect our emotions, but primarily it's by what we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. We tell ourselves we- the things that are scary, so we get scared. We tell ourselves things that are angry, so we get angry. Well, and we misinterpret a lot, don't we? Oh, my gosh. Yes, we do. Um, our schema, which I mentioned about, um, that tells us that it contains everything we believe about ourselves other than the world, we're, we have about 50,000 thoughts a day. And many of those thoughts are simply inaccurate. For instance, um, no one should be disrespectful to me. That's just horrible, and I should get angry. If anyone mm-hmm. is ever disrespectful from me, well, you know, <laughs> that's really not logical. There, that's going to happen, and we have to learn how to handle it. Well, and and, it, and frankly, it's become a disrespectful world. You know, that seems to be the mode of the day today, is people challenging each other or disrespecting each other or attacking each other personally, not just the job they do. That seems to be getting worse and worse. And, of course, uh, law enforcement, security, private uh, detectives, all of these folks that deal with the public in a way that the public doesn't necessarily appreciate, they, they have to, one, they need to be able to read body language mm-hmm. so that they can react uh, in an optimal way. They need to know the different little things that you can do that... Um, that might turn that person's mood around. Mm-hmm. There are things in in the book, and even if you can get a person to change their position, uh, would you mind standing over there, which is <laughs> something that cops do all the time, that can make a difference. 
It can make a difference. If you can get someone to agree with you on one or two things, then often that will change it to a more positive interaction. Uh, but it's a um, sunny day today, isn't it? Well, yeah, it, it's a sunny day today. Well, you've started that person now in a more positive direction. Right, right. You changed the subject. Okay, we're, we're going to come right back, Dr. McCoy. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I'm back today with today's guest, Dr. Dorothy McCoy. And and Dr. McCoy, I was just going to say before we... uh, took the break my husband who's also a private investigator has a technique that i love that he uses when people are angry and he just starts talking lower and lower and lower mm-hmm. that's a good one so he had so they have to stop at some point and hear what he's saying because they right. can't hear him any longer that is a wonderful one tell him i congratulate him on that one <laughs> yeah it really is effective i never think of it when i'm in those situations but <laughs> he does it really well anyway <laughs> you had a scenario about a guy named fred yes yes my in fact my dad's name is fred that's why oh. i used it okay but Fred is a cop, and you didn't mention it earlier, but I was a state constable and worked at the uh, Criminal Justice Academy in Columbia. Uh-huh. So I have some experience in law enforcement and working with them, so I kind of know how we think sometimes. And uh, Fred noticed that uh, his boss had go- gone out to lunch with another officer, someone in his group, mm-hmm. and he was invited. So he started thinking about that, and he thought, well, you know, I bet he likes this other guy better than he likes me. I bet he Mm -hmm. thinks he's doing a better job than I am. 
mm-hmm. makes a better law enforcement officer than I do. And I bet you the next promotion, I bet he'll get the next promotion. You know, that might mean he's not satisfied with my work. Well, gosh, on my next evaluation, well, I didn't do so great on my last evaluation, but I did okay. But, you know, on the next one, I bet I won't do well at all. Mm-hmm. I bet, I bet I'm going to get fired. Oh, my God. What am I going to tell my wife when we lose our house? So Fred <laughs> keeps going on like this. He can see himself eating out of fra- um, trash cans, and he can see them driving away with the Corvette. Just can see just, just little tiny red lights in the distance as his Corvette is driven away after it was repossessed. So he has gone from my boss is having lunch with someone else. I mean, you can't have lunch with everybody at once. To, I'm going to lose my job, my wife, my house, and my Corvette, which, of course, is the most important point. Mm -hmm. And this has been purely in his mind. None of this has happened. None of it. It's all a fiction. And this is such a perfect scenario because we all... we all do this all the time, and it doesn't matter. We could be in a social setting. We could mm-hmm. be in a uh, professional setting. And it's, as, I, as we talked about, it's always about us. We always oh, interpret yeah. everything like it's about us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I should I'm, say I'm, always, sure, but... I'm sure that's part of our, our survival system that we have to think about how things uh, actually pertain to us. I like to think that anyway, that we're not just selfish. But, uh, yes, we, we have to be use that critical thinking because I, I have, um, I see a lot of couples. And misreading each other causes so many problems. Um, for instance, she'll say, well, or he'll say, well, she said so-and-so. But <laughs> what she really meant was, Mm-hmm. And whatever that is, of course, is always something negative, even if it's just totally out of line with what the person really said. Right, right. Or, or the other person, or one person thinking, well, the other person will knows what I mean, and oh, even yeah. though I'm not saying it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, he should was- know what I mean. You know, we've been married five years now. He knows what I'm thinking. Yeah, right. it'd be nice if All that right. were true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so what does Fred then do to to ease his anxiety, and uh, which then be, turns into anger, I guess. Well, it could turn into anger. It could turn into depression. It could stay uh, a, uh, anxiety. It could be anxiety at a very high level. He could begin to become ill. He could develop a panic disorder. Uh, all sorts of things can happen with negative emotions when they're taken to a, a high level. Now, what he can do is I have a chart that I use with every client that comes in this door. I do the Myers-Briggs so they'll know their personality because that's very important to understanding why you do what you do. That's and the uh, I, Myers-Briggs personality profile? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Do that with everybody really good with couples but anyway he he looks at um what he's thinking he sits down with his little chart and he puts down um the situation when we look at a situation to analyze it we look at only the facts if you can't take it to court don't write it down then he looks at his emotions and how strong are his emotions. Is it anxiety? Is it anger? Maybe it's anxiety, anger, and um, any number of other negative emotions. And then he looks at his thoughts. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. 
Uh what thoughts were running through my mind just before I became angry or depressed or anxious or whatever it was, and maybe is able to catch five or six thoughts. Now, after we do that, now, it's because we believe that thoughts, irrational thoughts, create the emotions, not the situation, most of the time. So once he looks at his thoughts, he can start judging them for accuracy. Is this mm-hmm. accurate? Not is it positive. Is it accurate? If it's not accurate, then you must change it to something that is accurate. And when you know what happens after a while of doing that, Francie? What's that? Your brain starts doing it automatically. Okay. So you're training yes. your brain. Yes. Isn't I that love cool? It. I love it, too. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So then how do we, how do we shift from internalizing things to using anger in a positive, controlled fashion. Okay. Anger, if we're miffed, it can create energy. I'm being treated unfairly. I have real reasons for believing that I'm being treated unfairly, and I'm miffed. That gives me the energy to do something about it. What do I need to do? Do I need to speak with my employer? Do I need to have a sit-down with my uh, significant other? What do I need to do? Do I need to change something in myself if that's what's causing the problem? It energizes us. It helps us to be assertive. Mm -hmm. We might otherwise be aggressive and just blow the whole thing or passive and just ignore it. Right. Right. So if you're, say you're confronted, say, for example, it's road rage and you're confronted by an angry, the person that gets out of his car and comes up to your car and starts reading you out. Mm -hmm. What do you do then? Well, one thing, you don't want to be there. You do not want to be in that situation. Um, So you want to take whatever action you need to take to stay out of that situation. If you absolutely cannot do it, then you could try talking the person down, something like your husband did, talk in a very calm, very low voice. Maybe if you're really lucky, you can put them to sleep. Mm-hmm. You say things that are cognitive, not emotional. Um, well, I, you know, I don't know what you were, what were, you were thinking, and I was thinking this, and you know, using cognitive thinking type words. Don't get into well, what were you feeling, or this is what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. or I was mad. Stay away from those. Stay away from those emotional words, and yeah. see if you can come to. Um, some sort of agreement with this person. Again, go with the um, something they can agree with. And if you can get the person agreeing with you, or if you could go to a, um, you'd almost have to know the person, but if you know someone and you can go to their area of competence. In fact, I, uh, I had a, a client a long time ago that had a very, very serious disorder, and whenever that person would start to, act out because of that disorder, I would go to her area of competence. She was very good with horses and dogs. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, well, you know my dog has this issue. And Mm -hmm. she would come right back and be just as calm, just Mm. as competent as anyone you could ever talk to. And then we would go on. So take it to another scenario. Say you're knocking on, say, uh, say it's a private investigator. 
mm-hmm. and, or, or law enforcement, and you're knocking on somebody's door because you have to interview them about something mm-hmm. that they are very, very angry about. Mm-hmm. And it may be that they're a victim. Let's say they're a victim. Say, mm-hmm. it, say it's a case of mortgage fraud, and they've just lost their house of thirty years, and mm-hmm. they're just so angry they can hardly contain themselves. What's your approach at the door? I, first, I'd want to connect with that person. Okay. Uh, I understand that this is what happened, whatever it was, and I can understand why you would be angry. I, I, I can't even imagine how I would react if something like that were to happen to me. If, if you can pose some way that you can help them, then, of course, bring that up now. Well, possibly I could help you by filling out this uh, paperwork. Would you like to sit over there? We'll sit down and do it. I'll take as long as you need. I'm here to help you. Go with things that show the person that you understand what they're going through, that this mm-hmm. is difficult for them, that you know, your demeanor would show that, that you're, you're concerned about that person. You're not going to be flippant or I'm in a hurry, but I'm taking the time to help you with this because I feel bad for you. Mm-hmm. It could happen to me, and I don't mm-hmm. know how I would react. Right. You probably don't want to tell them that you know how they feel, though, right? <laughs> no. Well, some people you can, but it's probably better to stay away from it. And with the, I don't know how I would feel if something happened like this. Right. It would just, it would just be awful. Yeah. And, because and, otherwise, they're going to say, "You don't know. You don't know how I feel." <laughs> right. Right. And that sets off another another there whole scenario. Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. So you talk about triggers, and I think that's what often happens when somebody confronts us with anger, then it triggers our response, and we respond with anger. Yes. If, if they say something that triggers, now, this is another thing that I mention in the book, a lot of officers either have post-traumatic stress disorder, more likely they have some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And they can, there are triggers that are connected with a trauma. Some of them have multiple traumas. It's just part of the job. And of course, um, probably 80% of our private investigators are former law enforcement. So that's that's going to carry over. So they have their their trauma that they brought into the job. And if um, one, it creates hypervigilance in us. So if we're, if we have these trauma reactions, some of them, and um, it can be in any degree as far as that goes, if, if we're hypervigilant, we're watching the environment. We're noticing things that might be annoying to us that we might not have noticed before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a, that's a state that takes a lot of energy to stay in that. You could be fatigued. Because you're not sleeping well, because you're hypervigilant, your relationships may be breaking down because you're pulling away from people, so you're feeling particularly alone and alienated and irritated. And so when these triggers come along, uh, we're going to react to them much more strongly than we would otherwise if we were at our our optimal health. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. We have to take another break. (laughs) Dr. McCoy, we'll be right back.
need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Dr. Dorothy McCoy, a therapist and certified cognitive behavioral therapist, has just written a book uh, addressing anger, and it's a, it's a, in progress, which is really exciting, and it's almost done or just really close to being uh, complete. And uh, I just want to say, Dr. McCoy, that I love the chapter that you entitled, Make My Day May Not Work Well. And I think that kind of capsulizes <laughs> everything we've been talking about. I love that. And, and just the fact that you, um, you really should pick your battles. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yes. And that's something that I talk about with clients and parents especially, that we could, uh, we could argue about everything. There, and it depends on the relationship. There are some relationships that actually it's, it's smarter to just agree. For instance, mom. Mom says, um, you know, I, I don't know why you're doing this for a living. You, you'll never make any money at it. And, and, you know, your brother's a lawyer. And so the, probably the easiest thing to, to do in picking your battles is grief. If you can't agree with the context of what she says, you can agree with, well, I can see you've been thinking about that, and it's important to you that I do well in life, and I really appreciate that. Now, mm-hmm. mom, there's nothing mom can say. There's no argument. It's, it's been cut off at the knees. The only thing she can say there, oh, well, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you agree with me. Right. So there, there are those people that you want, you want to go with that most of the time. Um, when personal relationships, significant others, uh, a lot of the time you could do that because it, look at your goal. In any relationship, you've got to look at your goal. Mm-hmm. And if your behavior, and this is, this is very specific and it's very helpful, if your behavior does not take you closer to your goal for that relationship, then you need to change your behavior and you need to change your goal. So hmm. some 
relationships, you're going to want to have very few battles because a battle will not take you closer to your goal. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely makes sense. Um, and and we often, I'm just thinking that we often react uh, differently in a professional situation than we do in our personal relationships. Exactly. We, in fact, we have to because our goals are different. Mm-hmm. Our goal, and in fact, on in um, law enforcement or these other areas that we've talked about, the goal may change from uh, encounter to encounter. Right. One person, you're dealing with a victim, and what you're trying to do there is you're trying to calm the person, you're trying to help that person, and really, you are the first one to encounter the person quite often, the victim, so you're the one that starts that person on the road to healing or not. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous responsibility. So we want to keep that in mind as far as our goal. Okay, how can I help this person to start on that road to healing? Sometimes it's to help them uh, take control, and we take control by making choices. Uh, Would you like to sit here or would you like to sit there? So think about your goal. Your goal is calming down that person. Uh, Your goal is getting a certain amount of information. Now, your goal with someone else might be, um, I've I've got to stop this person. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing something that's very dangerous, and I must stop them. That is my goal. I must do it in a way naturally according to regulations and what is legal. But that's a whole different set or a whole different goal, and it requires a different set of skills. So we need to know going into these things, this is my goal, and this is how I go about doing it. And we have to have it ready in advance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, then another choice, which I think is often the choice of many people, is to ignore the situation. That would not be a good thing. That would um, not be a good thing. Because, <laughs> and, and how do you ignore it without internalizing it? Now, if you're t- are you talking about a personal um, relationship? More, more or personal, or yeah, more personal. Personal, personal. okay. Yeah. Or, well, it could Nothing. be professional. It could be in a relationship, a professional relationship. Well, that's true, too. Stuffing down is never a good idea because if you remember on the chapter on uh, the ill effects of anger, stuffing down ill effects are just as serious as expressing the rage. That's okay. the other edge of that sword. When we, edge, when we go forward with a goal, this is my goal for this relationship, so this is what I need to do. I need to um, resolve issues as they come up because I want to have a pleasant, uh, successful relationship. So mm-hmm. if something is really bothering me, in fact, I suggest to couples that they maybe have a little meeting once a week, sit down with a bottle of wine or a pot of coffee and something to eat and say, okay, this, this is how things are going. This little thing came up. It's not a big deal, but I just thought I'd like to talk about it. But also, I really appreciate what you did last week when you did whatever. And mm-hmm. just have a pleasant little meeting so that the things never become a big problem. Right. Yeah. You know, air, it well, airing your differences. Yeah. 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 Well, so if you were to summarize, I know this is hard to do, uh, but <laughs> summarize um, 
what you would recommend for people in, um, say, various scenarios, what would you say? Be logical. Okay. Have worked on using critical thinking. Be aware of when your emotions in charge and you something has been triggered. Know that I'm I'm working now off my emotions. I need to tune in to my what I call my my adult. You can go into your child, your parent, or your adult. Go into the logical thinking part. Okay, I need to get out of my child and I need to get into my adult and start thinking. Because if um, if you're using critical thinking. If you're prepared for a situation, if you're at your optimal best, you have learned these different things that you need to know to be able to use critical thinking, you're going to be pretty much prepared for any situation that comes along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking... I, I, I'm trying to internalize what you're saying, and I'm and I'm thinking you need to be grounded, um, centered. Yes, you do. You need to be self-confident because you've done these things, and you know that you're at your optimal best. So you're self-confident. You're grounded. You can have a, a sense of peace because mm-hmm. you're ready. Mm-hmm. You've done your homework, and you're ready for just about anything that comes along. Well, and I like what you said about um, making the decision of what your life should look like and what your goals are. Oh, absolutely. Um, We need to have our goals for this year, for two years from now, for five years from now, for all the different relationships, for my career. What what do I need to accomplish? How can I accomplish that? Um, What will it look like when I get there? How do I need to prepare for it? You don't just have goals. You have steps. And I think that we often don't, when we, when we plan those goals, whether it be a business plan or a personal plan, we plan those goals, I don't think we add in how our behavior is going to affect those goals. Oh, and that, that is a huge consideration. I know I, I have worked as a manager before, possibly you have too, as a leader. And there are people that are wonderful at their job. They're talented. They're, they're bright. But their attitude is bad, or they're not, or they're too emotional. The emotionalism gets in the way, and they can't get along with anyone, and they're not going to succeed. It won't happen. That's true. And you know what? We are totally out of time, Dr. McCoy. I can't believe this. We could talk for hours. Thank you so much for being on the show. Give uh, our listeners the name of your book again and where they can get it. Okay, uh, it's not out yet. It won't be out until next year. Keeping Calm 101 for the Thinking Cop. And they'll be able to get it on Amazon? Uh, next year they will. Not next now. Year. Until then, they want, might want to get my book, The Manipulative Man, because there's some, um, there's some tests in there to see if they can recognize psychopaths and narcissists and right, some of these right. na- nasty people that hurt cops. Okay, so thank you so much again. Tune in again next week, listeners, as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's P.I.'s Declassified and Francie Kaler, and thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. 
Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.